This week on Evasion the Podcast, we say goodbye to Snape and the Goblin King. We have an open discussion about open world games. And we have some fun with some trivia about the Golden Raspberries. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of Earth, attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we're taking over the world one listener at a time. Uh, I am, as always, Paul. I was so sad about what happened the past two weeks, so I didn't come up with the name, Stedman. <laughs> and then to my left, as always, is Poe. Po. It's Poe Jeters. No, it's, it's You can't it's, give out my secret name. <laughs> it's Joe. He's also really, really sad about the last two weeks, Peters. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so not really funny names, but don't call him Poe Jeters. That'll make him really angry. Um, it doesn't make me angry. It's just nobody can know my secret name. Because if you say it three times in a row, you disappear from existence. No, I pop up in a mirror somewhere. <laughs> With really good hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Um, so I feel like we're going to be kind of news heavy. That's a spoiler. Um, but let's just get right to it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is a main staple of our show. Give it all to hell. Good news, everyone. I'm going to move that actually, button on. Maybe maybe it's just where I'm pressing. I don't know. Actually, it's not. It's the, not the intro is probably not correct. It's here, not really good here, news. How about this? What are you doing? I, I, was, I was trying to press something else. What about this? Hooray! Hooray denied! That's Hooray more, denied. There you go. Is, yeah. So um, we wanted to pay uh, respects to uh, two of uh, some our favorite people growing up. Uh, yeah, and there's away two week. other ones we got to mention too. Lemmy, real quick from Motorhead. Lemmy, Lemmy from Motorhead passed away. Um, I I enjoyed Motorhead's music uh, growing up as a kid, and um, I, I it was kind of shocked when he died. It was kind of uh, anytime any and celebrity dies, sometimes it's usually cut, catches you off guard unless they're like 103. Just he lived his life the way he wanted it to be. He did hard as as much as he wanted to go. And I'm sure he went out on his own terms. It was like, like just screw you. I'm going to do what I want. Like, Lemmy was like one of those guys that was up there with like like an iconic metal person like dancing. Like, when you see that dude, you knew that guy was metal. Yeah. So I just, and I heard that like when he passed, he was just at home surrounded by his family playing like his favorite video game, which I want to know what that video game was. But he, Oh, really? Yeah, that's what I, I heard. I really want to know what that game is, too. Yeah. Uh, it might be brutal legend because I know he was in that. I don't know if that'd be his favorite <laughs> video game though. Um, but that's sad. Like, I, how could you be a person on this earth and not hear the beginning of Ace of Spades and not get just pumped? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's an awesome song. I, I'll I'll never forget one time I went over to my girlfriend's uh, parents' house like because we were picking something up from her mom, and um, it was like in the middle of the afternoon, and her mom had a Pandora station on, and and there was just some like weird song playing on pandora and like i'm just sitting there like minding my own business as they're talking in the kitchen and then all of a sudden like ace of spades comes on and i'm like what the hell and ever since then i was like i didn't know your mom was a big motorhead fan and she's like what and i'm like she's listening to ace of spades that's funny 
Um, yeah, that one, that one was kind of a surprise. I mean, obviously. And then the other one, I'm just going to sneak in real quick. Um, uh, Angus Scrim, the the tall man from Phantasm, passed away. When? Uh, a couple days ago. Really? Yeah. Wow. There was I don't know if there's an orb that attacked him, but he's gone. They might have turned. The, the tall man. They're tall man's gone. That. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. So I just he... wanted because he's the, one of those genre movies that like the, the genre staples. Yeah. But he was he was also a very fan oriented um, uh, actor too. Like I, I know, like anytime they did any, like because uh, you do, uh, like Cinema Wasteland. Cinema Wasteland. Mm-hmm. He would do a lot of stuff like that. Like I remember in a uh, Illyria, I think they did a event with with him at the Illyria mm-hmm. Cinema behind the mall when they showed Phantasm for a midnight movie. This was years ago, but he was there. I saw Evil Dead. That they did something like that before too. Yeah. That back then, you're right. So that was a big deal. He, yeah, like I, there's a lot of people I, I have, I'm friends with that posted remembrances. Like that's he was that guy. Like he was very appreciative of what he did, and he's gone too. So the tall man's gone. Lemmy's gone. Um, and then not that you rank as such because anytime anybody leaves that you care about, it, it's sad. But talk about shocker, like back to back. Yeah. David Bowie, and then this morning, Alan Rickman. Yeah. That one just... They, they both hit me kind of like a ton of bricks. Like, I was at home, uh, I think it was Sunday, and the way that I found out about it, too, like, just in passing, like, I think uh, somebody had tweeted at us or somebody uh, did something on our Twitter, and I pulled Twitter up, and I was scrolling through, and, like, we follow uh, Duncan Jones. Yeah. And Duncan Jones had posted a picture of, of his dad, um, Duncan Jones is a director. If anybody doesn't know who he is, he's directing the Warcraft movie. He directed the movie Moon, um, and he directed uh, Source Code. Mm-hmm. But his, David Bowie is his father, um, and he posted a picture of him and his. I, well, it wasn't him and his father. I think it was uh, maybe it was him and his father. I, I, it was a black and white picture, but okay. it was a really nice picture. Um, but he basically had like you know a message and that he was going to be offline for a while and that all the you know everything was true. And I was like, oh my god, Bowie died. Yeah, I just, like, whenever, like, because I had went to bed early uh, Sunday night and then woke up in the morning to find out about that, and it was just, like, I don't, I don't know, like, not that I need, like, I didn't, like, why didn't somebody wake me up? It wasn't like that, but it was just, that is just a surreal way to wake up, and yeah. just thinking, like, I, I mean, it's one of those things, like, in terms of music, like, he's he is much more important to a lot more people out there than, say, in terms of, like, myself, in terms of, like, my influence is one I love, but I, I enjoyed his stuff, and the older I got, the more I really appreciate what he did. Um, but it's like, there's that moment yeah. in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, whenever you see the Milano pull into heads, no, nowhere. That's what it was flying into that large floating head in space. And you hear Moon Age Daydream. And there's that, just that moment mm-hmm. where all that space weirdness is just tied together with that song. And it's just perfect. And I was in the theater just grinning. Like, it's, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if he knows, like, I'm sure he knew, but it's like, that was just like the perfect moment for that. And if he appreciated that people found his music and applied it in ways to get points across and to make wonderful moments, you yeah. know, like, and like, I know, uh, he's influ- influenced a lot of magicians, our magicians. That's Actually, true, I'm sure. no, probably he did influence some magicians. He was in the prestige. He, he's made. Yeah, that's right. He was, he was, he was, Tesla. He was Nikola Tesla. He was which, a science magician. You know, yeah. Like which I mean, not to get into his movies right away, <laughs> but like, yeah, Nick, I'm a huge Nikola Tesla fan and I thought it was cool that Bowie played Nikola Tesla, but, um, no musicians. Like I know, like, I remember growing up, like, I was like you, like, my parents listened to Bowie, you know, when they were young, and then, like, they, like, when when, when I got older and I was, like, you know, got it, like, started to learn who Dave, David Bowie was and some of his songs, and, like, the whole Ziggy uh, Stardust thing, and they had kind of, like, explained to me who this guy was, and, like, he was a really big larger-than-life rock star, like, so much to the point where 
you know, his lifestyle was like intrusive with him and Zig being Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. And like was, he couldn't separate the two for a Yeah, minute. for a while he couldn't separate the two. And it was like they're there's still well, there's there's some people like like Marilyn Manson is definitely one of those people that's influenced by that. I wouldn't say as much that he can't separate the two, but like it's it's in the same sense where um it's almost like a musician method acts for a character that they're they're performing as. Yeah. So it was ne- it was unheard of, and it was just unique, and you know his music touched a lot of people. Um, I'm also a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, and I know Trent Reznor's collaborated a lot and been inspired by David Bowie. So oh I'm yeah, like very... I, like that. Um, with Brian Eno did a lot of producing with him. Mm-hmm. There's that um, I'm Afraid of Americans, which was a really that trippy was... trippy track that came out. Like that the... was a weird track, and like I, I remember it was the... very much Nine Inch Nails feeling. But, yeah. yeah, and the video was even funnier because like I remember the video was basically like a video of Trent Reznor stalking David Bowie. That was like, him? Not I didn't Bowie. realize that. Yeah, it wasn't no. like he was stalking Bowie, but Bowie was singing the song, and like in the song, it was like, you know, this guy stalking him, and yeah. it was just kind of creepy, but yeah. I just, yeah, and then you think about just, um, I, did you did you happen to see, because people were pointing it out, that so like David Bowie put out the album Black Star, which came out three days before his death, because he put it out on his birthday, right? So it was his last release. He knew it was coming. Like, people didn't know. Like, this, like, so there's a video for it called Lazarus, which I don't know if you've seen yet or not. Mm-hmm. In context of what you now know, it is haunting because it's just him yeah. on a bed singing, and he has like, the, of course, every David Bowie video has to be weird. Let's just be honest. Everyone has to be weird no matter what. But he has like this, like, thing wrapped around his head, and like, there's like two little buttons for eyes, and he's like singing, and it's like this weird, like, you know, he's lying in a bed, and then later on, you see him upright. And it almost looks like he's like writing something, and then he slowly walks backward into like um like a um a wardrobe and closes it shut at the end. And it's like, what are you trying to tell us? But you also knew what was about to happen, and yeah. it was really just a weird video. And the the song is moody, and it was like just he went out like Freddie Mercury, where it was like you, I know the end's coming. I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to you know I'm going to miss this, and you guys are going to miss me too. But I'm going to go out the way I want. Yeah, and, and it was very. Oh my goodness! Like after the fact, very effective. And but of course, like everyone I know in the world is posting every freaking image of Labyrinth. Like, yeah, like, a lot of Labyrinth, like Goblin King, and, and as well as they should. I, I mean, mean but, that was a huge role for him. Like not just, but that's because, like our generation was like that's what they identified with. But that was a great that was a great fairy tale story for our generation, and he was a huge part of that. I mean, like even some of his bit parts that he did, like he was in Zoolander. <laughs> he did the what was it the. Um, uh, the model off or the walk off the walk off yeah the walk off he was the judge which I thought was great and I mean like you know just like an underground modeling thing and then David Bowie's there to judge it that yes. makes that makes more more sense than anything with friend Billy Zane yeah <laughs> and then um and then uh, uh he played Nikola Tesla in the the Prestige and he was and there was also like he did that Tony Scott film The Hunger where he played a vampire or a, a, a familiar of a vampire like he's done. Like a couple of different, he dabbled all over the place. It's yeah. just, I, but there's just like he, he was never satisfied with where he was, and always wanted to do something different. So because he had these different phases, and I think he was one of the first successful acts to really reinvent himself out of choice. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't think he necessarily cared that like his his popularity waned a little bit in the '80s. I don't think he cared though. He's like, I want to keep doing what I want to do. Right. And his music's very. I just well, he's always he always said like he didn't want to be boring. Yeah. And he never was. So we like gone too soon. And then also today you wake up. This one's also hurts because like Bowie, it's like he was kind of out of the limelight for a long time. So it's like you hear it. You're like, oh, that sucks. But this one heavy hitter. Like, just yeah, that one caught me really off guard. Yeah. Like I remember like 
I, today I was at work and one of my friends was looking to buy a pair of headphones or something and she was going to get beats and I was like, no, don't get beats. And, uh, I was trying to look up different types of headphones, like, you know. Oh no, that's how you found out. Yeah. And I'm just scrolling through like a Google search and then like one of the articles pull up. I'm like, like I stopped. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh. I, I shouldn't laugh. That's it's a sad story, but it's kind of funny. I was like, like, I was I'm looking for headphones. I don't want to have my, my childhood ruined. Really? And then I like yelled at her. I was like, you know what? Why did you make me look for your stupid headphones? Cause you killed Alan Rickman. <laughs> I was so mad and like yeah. and i was like it it was it hit me kind of heavy for like a few minutes and i was just like man and then i just started thinking about it, like all of, like you know alan rickman stuff that he's done and and then like i read a few you know articles and i read a few things about like you know tweets and stuff from his friends and and like you know other actors who work with them and it's like you just you get a you, you get such a bigger scope you know when other people talk about it um and it was just kind of like wow yeah, I mean, it's just like, well, you, we just mentioned on the Christmas episode that one of your favorite holiday movies is Die Hard, and mm-hmm. not only is that a good movie, it's just that he, I mean, Bruce Willis is good, but everyone remembers Hans Gruber. Yeah. And because he's such a good bad guy. He is. And, he's probably yeah. one of the best bad guys of the 80s, if any any villain movie, and I mean, like, he's not so much a, I don't want to say like a dastardly villain or a despicable or just evil, He he's just a good, solid villain, and... um. Who yeah. knows he's evil? That was like what I think what made Gruber interesting because like he knew what he wanted, right? You know? And it's just like and McClane was in his way, and it was just uh, and I mean in that why like with the Harry Potter stuff, like him pl- being cast as Snape, like uh, you know at first you're like I don't know how, how I feel about this guy, and well, it's like and he turns to be a very complicated character. I'm not like a huge Harry Potter person. I mean I've seen the movies and I can be I, you know people probably hate me. I haven't read the books, you know. But like for next what- week is Pottercast. <laughs> Pottercast. <laughs> But, but from what I can understand, like, Avrakaboom or whatever, I don't know. I don't know those words. The um, from what I can understand, like the casting compared to the book, like I've seen breakdowns of like you know uh, people are like, here is what Hermione is described as in the book, and here's what uh, Emma Watson looks like, mm-hmm. and then here's what Ron is described as in the book, and then here's Rupert Grant, and then the one that always gets down to the bottom where it's like Snape, and it's like. Alan Rickman. There's like no <laughs> difference between what Snape looks like in the book and Alan Rickman. Like it was like probably the perfect cast. Yeah, and, and like um, I just it, this morning, the first thing I thought of, which I just I couldn't help, but Galaxy Quest. I think was the first time growing up that like, I mean, Die Hard I knew, Galaxy but I, I didn't Quest, put the, I didn't put them together. It put him in a different light, and it was just such a good character. And, and that he was playing the actor that wanted to be taken seriously, but got shoehorned into this alien role. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very much like, you know, a love letter to Nimoy where it's like, I could actually act. I guess I'll just wear the silly prosthetic. Yeah. And just the looks on his face when he just didn't want to do it, but he would. Yeah. Like, I couldn't help it. Like, <laughs> buy Grab Thar's hammer. Like, and, um, yeah. And then also the people brought up him being, uh, Sheriff of Nottingham for Robin Hood, which yeah. no one wants to remember that movie other than him being. I didn't like, think it was a terrible movie. I saw it when I was a kid, but like, like even as a villain in that movie, like, I think that, I think that kind of. Sp- spurned off of hans gruber like you know let's who could we get to play a good villainous sheriff of nottingham and then and then just and then you talk about like um galaxy quest but i think what also kind of put well i mean maybe this is like before but i didn't i wasn't thinking of the actor i was thinking of the character of the metatron from dogma i remember that before obviously before galaxy quest and just his character like his whole take on just kind of like i i can't really drink alcohol but i'm going to try and just drink it and spit it back out. Like, cause I can't swallow it, but he just would sit in the Mexican restaurant and just, what was it? Tequila. That he just kept tasting. And it was just a lot of fun. Cause he's just like, it, like I've been through all this before. This is what you got to do. And it was, 
Yeah, and only who else could have pulled that off? Who else could have been that kind of character? Right. Um, so again, we'll be missed. And like 2016, you already got your allotment. How about you just stop right now? I don't know. The, the, did 2015 piss off somebody? And they're like, 2016, we're collecting on everything. You guys, 2016, you need to stop killing British guys in their 60s with cancer. Just please stop doing that. And I think everybody was like around the same age. Like Bowie was 69. Alan Rickman was 69. Let me just turn 70. So yeah. he, 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 you know, he was the longest lasting, I guess, but I don't know what happened. It was just a weird, weird coincidence. Anyway. Um, yeah. Gone too soon. Uh, I did kind of, I was going to poke Joe and say, Hey, who do you want to see stick around? But he, he thought that was too sad. I don't want to do that. I don't want to like <laughs> jinx anything. Like I'm already reeling from Bowie and Alan Rickman, like being so close. It was like, ah, yeah. So like, if you find out tomorrow, like Sean Connery passed away, like you would just be like, you'd be done. Yeah, I would. I'd, <laughs> I'd call off work and crawl into the closet and just yeah, eat mac just, and cheese. Just watch Highlander over and over again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and the and and the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, not um, not Marvel's the Avengers. The, the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so all right, so enough sad. Let's get onto some um, some interesting news. Uh, Oscar nominations were just announced today. So, yeah, Oscar nominations were just announced today um, for 2016 or 2015, um, and. I, there's there's some movies I did see. There's some movies. That, there's a, probably a lot of movies I didn't see. Um, but uh, we were just going to run down kind of the big ones and talk about them a little bit. Um, the Oscars are real political, um, and I think n- nowadays <clears throat> you mean political in the sense that like if someone hasn't won repeatedly, like they're going to get it guaranteed or no? Because there's um, a gentleman in the best actor category that that that's been gotten like slammed severely. Oh, I understand that, but yeah. I'm saying like there's certain times where it's like, oh, it's his year, and it's like the expectation is, well, he's done enough, he's going to get it, you right. know, like as opposed yeah. to does they do they really deserve it? Plus, like you know, like, like, like Denzel, when we talk about it, like didn't I don't know, did, did Denzel got it for Training Day, I think he right? got it for Training Day, okay, yeah. but like everyone said, like his other better performance was like I forget what they named they named like two or three other movies they did yeah. that was like better, but. He got it for Trading Day, and Julia Roberts too was also one of those ones that was supposedly she got it for Aaron Brockovich, but yeah. like she's had better performances. Or like Sandra Bullock got it for uh, The Blind Side. That was yeah. one of those ones that was it's, like it's weird how they decide it. Well, we yeah, know Demolition I, Man was a way better performance. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the, yeah, the whole Taco Bell scene. But uh, congeniality too, anyone? <laughs> but the best the best actor category uh, we've got uh, Eddie Redmayne who was in The Danish Girl, which um, I think that. Uh, I haven't seen that, um, but that's the one about the... Uh, the one, it's the, an early early uh, 1900s, about one of the first transgendered people. Right. It really looks really good, by the way. It actually looks really compelling. It does look good, but like I don't... I feel like a lot of times... like I don't like when the Oscars get thrown out to like like biopic-type movies. Um, you know, because like, I know when they did uh, like Walk the Line, I think Reese Witherspoon won... Well, or, Eddie Redmayne got nominated last year for The Theory of Everything, where he played Stephen Hawking. Yeah. He didn't get it there. So I don't know if he's just picking projects always, that are like... I mean, that's challenging for an actor, though. That's like so that's two different ranges there, you know? Like, it is two different ranges, but like at the same time, I always feel it's so weird when people do get nominated for biopics, because it's like, I don't feel like that's a great range of acting, because you're playing a real person. You mean like um, uh, Fassbender being nominated for Jobs? Yeah. yeah. So that's the other thing. So Michael Fassbender's nominated for Jobs. Uh, Brian Cranston's na- nominated for, for Dalton for, Trumbo for like, Trumbo, yeah, another biopic. And then you have Matt Damon for The Martian, which Matt Damon is the only actor on this list that is playing a fictional character. And then the last one is Leo DiCaprio for The Revenant. But he's not playing Hugh Glass, though. 
Oh, he's not? No, it's based off Hugh Glass. Oh, okay. Story. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's based off historical based events. Off of, yeah. But, I mean, I'll give you Hugh Glass more than more than the other characters. Because, like, at, at one point in time, Michael Fassbender was alive, along, along with a lot of other people who wrote the screenplay, while Steve Jobs was alive. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, but Leo, Leo is the big one that everyone is always like, is this guy going to get his damn Oscar? Because he, I mean, cause Wolf of Wall Street, he played a real guy there too. He played a uh, yeah. Jordan Belmont, right? So it's like he's done and he was freaking, uh, what, um, oh, the aviator that's, um, Howard Hughes. Yes. And yeah. what else was he, he was, uh, catch me if you can like that. Yeah. So it's like, he's done the whole, like, Hey, I'm a person too. I've done person things, you know? Right. Like, which I guess that's what you call acting. I've done person things. Um, best picture nods, uh, bridge of spies, which I'm kind of happy to see that in there only because I, I don't think we've seen Spielberg in that list in a while. No. Well, Lincoln. Lincoln was recent. Yeah, okay. Recent. And with him and... Um, How long ago was that, though? A couple years. Was that 12 or 11? Um, that was his last movie, I think, because like, before that was uh, War Horse. Okay. Right? Um, <clears throat> the Bridge of Spies is like your traditional like big thinking story. But that's also a true story, too. That's another yeah. true story film. Then we have Mad Max Fury Road, which is surprising. Also a true story about early Australia. <laughs> you don't know that, but it's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, the Revenant's on there. Spotlight. Uh, the Martian, The Big Short, um, Room, and Brooklyn. <laughs> I haven't seen. I want to see The Big Short still. That that's, just, uh, well, that's that just my, opened at the the Capitol today. <clears throat> that's actually. on my two C yeah. list. The, the The Big Short and The Revenant are currently playing at the Capitol, so that might be a good uh, twofer. Just go see both of those. And then um, we've got uh, Best Actress. Uh, Brie Larson for the room for, for room. I don't want to say the room because <laughs> oh hi. <laughs> and then uh, Charlotte Rampling for forty five years. Kate Blanchett for Carol. Um, I feel like Kate Blanchett always sneaks in there. Her Meryl <laughs> her Meryl Street. Um, uh, I how do you say? It? I can't figure out how to say her name. Sarosi Ronan. Yeah, for Brooklyn. Good enough. And then uh, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. That's the other person that's like, well, we've got to get Jennifer Lawrence in there somehow. She's got to find her way in there. No. Yeah, I think she'll get it next year for X-Men Apocalypse, too. <laughs> You're right. Um, best original song, uh, Simple Song by David Lang. Um, I don't know what some of these, they don't say what the movies are from. Or You think they're going to nominate uh, uh, the Frozen song again? No. <laughs> it did so well, they're just going to nominate it again. Till It Happens to You with Lady, Lady Gaga and then Manta Ray by Anthony I don't know what any of this Haggerty. stuff is. Yeah. Um, earned it by the weekend and and Steven and St- Stefan. Uh, that's a lot of people actually. We'll just say the weekend. <laughs> I've heard of them. And then writings on the wall by Sam Smith, like a Bond song. Have Bond songs snuck into the Oscars before? Yeah, I think so. I think they've been nominated. Hmm. I really um, like that song. So, but like, so we're talking about. <clears throat> did you want to go over who we think we're going to win? Or yeah, let's. I'm sorry. Let's back it up a little bit. Yeah, real quick. So, be, be, um, best actor. Who do I think is going to win? I still need to see The Revenant, but I feel like it's going to be good, so probably the Capra. I have not seen any of these movies. <laughs> okay, so this is purely like this is pure me, purely me picking the Oscar Powerball numbers. Okay, so I want to see DiCaprio win. Okay, um, and then I think that they would probably give it to Fassbender. Uh, you know, though Jobs did so terribly, like critically. Well, critically, it was okay, but it did so well commercially. I just have a feeling that that somehow. The Academy is is going to put Fastbender in their graces. I, I, I feel like he is, he's on this like massive upswing right now, right? Like, right, and, exactly. And he, and he has a lot of commercial and critical critical success. So let's write this down too. 
let's let's write this down for when they actually come out. We'll revisit this. Okay. I just I don't know. I feel like Fastbender. He still has. I mean, not that I'm saying DiCaprio doesn't have good work coming, but I feel like Fastbender. I, I think it's DiCaprio's year. So you're gonna go. I'm I'm gonna be. You're gonna go Leo. Yeah. Like I. Uh, I feel like this is like going for that sports team that you always hope is gonna win, but they don't quite pull it off. All right. So we're doing fantasy Oscars right now. Paul's, fantasy Oscars. Paul's going Leo. If it's fantasy Oscars, I nominate myself. Joe's for- going Magneto. All right. I'm putting Magneto down, too. All right. So, best picture? Um, Star Wars. Yeah, I'm going to put Star <laughs> Wars. Uh, I think best picture will probably go to The Revenant. Probably. Like, what? what cause um, so, we got what? A, you said um, Fury Road, Martian. Uh, well, I don't like. Yeah. Bridge of Spies. Uh, the big short spotlights r- room getting some Brooklyn. talk. What's that? Spotlights getting a lot of talk. Um, but and the Martian, the Martian's a good movie. Don't get me wrong, Martian's a great movie. I enjoyed it a lot. I feel like since it was so, like, it's so crowd pleasing. It's gonna. I don't know. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be enough high minded for like the voters to go for it. What do you What are you saying? The Revenant. Revenant. Yeah. But I mean, I like the Martian. Just that I don't know if it's gonna be enough to to win it. All right, and then, it did. Uh, Matt Damon did win Best Actor in Musical or Comedy Golden Globe because The Martian clearly is a musical and a comedy. Uh, who do you think's gonna? I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it on Kate Blanchett because I don't see why she doesn't need more Oscars. I you know I I'll put down Brie Larson because I haven't seen the movie Room, but I read the book. Does that does that count? I read the book and she was an interesting character in the book. Sure, it counts. Uh, best original song. I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not going to guess that one. I, I, Do we just want to throw a dart at it? Sure. That with the weekend thing. I don't know. You're going to go with the weekend sure. song. You're going to go it. with um, Paul says earned it. Yep, earned it. And then I'm going to go with Gaga because I just have a feeling that the Academy is going to want to like throw her. She's going to get what's the thing? Uh, uh, Tracy EGOT. Morgan. She's, she's going to get an EGOT. I think she's going for an EGOT. Well, she just got a Golden Globe for American Horror Story. Yeah. Which I haven't watched the new season yet. I haven't watched any season of American Horror Story. They're not bad. Yeah. I, maybe later. I'm still watching Doctor Who, and don't get me talking about that right now. I know. We, before we casted, Paul, me and Paul talked about Doctor Who for like an hour. Yeah. It's my dirty little secret. Uh, best animated feature film. Oh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be... Um, Inside Out? Yes. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to name off these other ones. So we got Shaun the Sheep movie, which I didn't see. Annalisa. Uh, Inside Out. Um, Boy in the World and When Marie Was There. Yep. I'm going to go with Inside Out, too. Why wasn't Hotel Transylvania 2 nominated? I don't know. <laughs> Not the Academy. <laughs> Adam Sandler did a write-in vote for that one. He did. Best Supporting Actor. We have a lot of superheroes here. Oh, by the way, did you notice there's no superhero movies nominated for anything? Anything. Not even special effects. I don't think so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, we got Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, Sylvester Stallone for Creed, Tom Hardy for The Revenant, Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies, and Christian Bale for The Big Short. I'm, you know, I just want to see Stallone win another Oscar. I think that would be... You're going to go with Stallone? I, sure. I think that'd be hilarious. Like, the one time he was rocking a Rocky movie, he didn't fight anybody. Um, He didn't even get a fight with, like, the, the pharmacy clerk or anything? I don't know. No. Oh. Um, Not even like Apollo Creed's Ghost. That's a movie I'd want to see. I, I would, I would like to see 
Mark Ruffalo in it because I like Mark Ruffalo. I think he's a good dude. Um, and you don't want him angry. And I don't want him angry. But I think I think he's I think he's put in his work, um, and not just because he's a Hulk, but I think he's put in a lot of different work in a lot of different movies in Hollywood. Plus, I think he's a cool dude. So I'd like to see Ruffalo win it. But who do I think is going to win it? I just feel like Stallone's gotten all his goodwill recently, you know? Like, Well, like I said, Stallone, I thought it was going to be political. Yeah, maybe, you know? <sighs> yeah, they, I'm going to go with Stallone. Since, since the Academy didn't you, nominate him for Expendables 3, they feel like they missed out. I'm going to put Stallone down, too, just because I feel like everybody's going to be like, yay, we like Rocky. Thanks for playing him again. Uh, Rachel, or Best Supporting Actress. We've got Rachel McAdams in Spotlight. Uh, Rooney Mara and Carol, Jennifer Jason Lee and the Hateful Eight. There we go. Uh, Kate Winslet and and Steve Jobs and Alicia. Oh no, Vikander no, that's her. That's, I want her ex machina. She was the robot in ex machina. Alicia Vikander. Yeah. All right. Will she make it? I don't know, but she was really, really good in that. Yeah, she was. I mean, Jennifer Jason Lee was really good in Hateful Eight too. Didn't uh, she? Wasn't she nominated for a Golden Globe for ex machina? I think so. Okay. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee was good in Hateful Eight. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little wild card and I'm gonna say Rachel McAdams wild card. I'm gonna go Mean Girl. <laughs> that's so fetch. And then um, that's what I'm writing down too. I'm not actually I'm not actually writing their names down. Uh, I don't care about musical score. No. Uh, well, actually, you should. <laughs> Force Awakens is there. Yeah, look who else is in there. Read that out. Oh, Ennio Marconi. Yeah, look at look at read out who's best original score. Huh? The, read the the nominees. Oh, so we got Bridge of Spies, Thomas Newman, uh, Sicario, Sicario, Johan yeah. Johansson, and then John John Williams for Star Wars, uh, Ennio Marconi for The Hateful Eight, and Carol is Carter Burwell. So look at that. I think that's the one category they got Tarantino versus Star Wars. You know how angry he's been about them recently. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like Williams, like a lot of that Star Wars stuff felt like the same thing. So I, I just don't know why that was nominated. But Hateful Eight also half of it wasn't the original score. Well, it was, best, but it's been years old. Best original screenplay. Uh, we've got Bridge of Spies, Spotlight, Ex Machina, Inside Out, and Straight Outta Compton. I want to go with Ex Machina, but Straight Outta Compton, I think it's the only thing it got nominated for. So and hopefully it gets it. Yeah, I would, I would, I would be really happy if they got it. Ex Machina would be nice too, just because it was a, Alex Garland. Yeah, it was such a um, an indie movie. And then uh, best cinematography, anything exciting in here? Mad Max, yeah. The Revenant, Carol, The Hateful Eight. Uh, Hateful Eight should be in that category, especially with the seventy millimeter. Yeah. Um, best director George Miller for Fury Road. Yes. Adam McKay directed The Big Short. You didn't know that? I did not know yeah. that. Wow! Like I, you need to see I was that movie. Just talk- like, I want to. I know. It. I need to see it now because, like, I was just talking about Adam McKay today because we're talking about Step Brothers and yeah. stuff. Well, do you remember in um, the other guys like how that it had like um, like this political underpinning with um, the the one guy being like because it was the guy that uh, Wahlberg and Farrell were trying to protect because he was part of some kind of scam the entire time. It was what's his face? It's um, all the British actor. But at the very very end of the credits, there was all the stats about all this corruption in like the financial markets. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you see McKay directed this, you're like, he, he's been angry about this for a while. So I'm excited. Not for the financial markets mm. being bad, but I'm excited for him directing that movie. All right, so I'm going to stop with that list because we could keep going. There's other little categories like best catering. 
Um, but, yeah, but best right hand in a movie. Kraft Foods wins it every year. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so that's 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 the bulk of the Oscars. Um, uh, the um, is that it? And then we jump into the next thing. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> we 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 had some sad, then we had some some happy, and now we're going to have some of this. And now for our feature presentation. Open world games. So, Paul suggested we kind of talk about open open world games. I agree with him uh, because I've I've been I had to go through a dialogue tree to give him to give me the right answer, though. Yeah, it was like it was like a loop. Yeah. Um. So we we uh we well we talked about like so recently Fallout Four came out for Christmas. Um, and like I had been playing it before the holiday and Joe got it for the holiday. So he's been in like the world of the Commonwealth, like hardcore recently. And, um, I, I played it a lot. I kind of fall away from the past couple weeks. So if you don't, if you don't know what fallout is, um, fallout is a, is a game that's set in a post apocalyptic time. I think it's like 20, 2277, something like, like that, the yeah. year 2277. And, um, the concept is is that everything is 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 nuclear like irradiated there was like a giant nuclear war the united states is nothing but like a wasteland and there's just like buildings that are all destroyed but there's people that are out there still surviving and a lot of people slunk into fallout shelters to hide from the bombs and you always play a survivor from one of these shelters that comes out in the wasteland and interacts with um, people trying to survive and just live their lives. And then uh, there's raiders, there's super mutants that are mutated into like these ogre-like beasts. There's giant scorpions. There's just all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, it's like basically like the, the 50s atomic wasteland. Yeah. If you think, because a lot of it's kind of that kind of like 40s, 50s vibe, even though it's like, it's, it's like a 40s, 50s future, but destroyed is kind of how it feels like. Right. Because you got like the, the, the shiny, gleaming, like hopeful future, and you have like the, the fins on the cars that are still around. You have a lot of like, it, it's like if the Jetsons blew each other up, it's kind of what you got kind of, that yeah. kind of feeling. But it, it basically, um, it's on its fourth incarnation of the game, and you know this time it's centered in Boston. I think last time it was kind of centered out west near Nevada because I know there was a well, Vegas. There, yeah, three was was DC, and then New Vegas was uh, after that, which was Vegas. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's right, DC. I forgot yeah. that there because I remember doing missions by the monuments. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is set in Boston, but the thing about open world gaming is, is like you're basically in like this the Boston Commonwealth area where. Um, I think one of the main focal points is, um, you know, where the Red Sox is it Fenway. Yeah, Fenway Park. Fenway Park um, is is a big staple in the game. Like, there's a people like they're refugee there and turned it into a city. It's called Diamond City. Which took me when I first started playing the game, I didn't know what they're talking about. Then I walked in and looked around. And I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like, yeah, it was it's, you're like, like, oh, it's Fenway. Yeah, yeah you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. But it's kind of cool like that. And then like you can run around. And I guess people found other things in in the the. Um, the game that have reflected in Boston, like they did a good job about like one of like the the town the town halls or the central areas of downtown Boston and stuff like that. But it's not just in Boston; you go on the outskirts and things like that. But well, supposedly the Cheers bar is there somewhere too. I yeah, I heard the I heard the Cheers bar is there. I haven't found. <laughs> it. I should go look for that. Yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Um, but the thing is, is like open world gaming and like not just to talk about Fallout is it gives you like. Uh, it gives you a set path, like it gives you breadcrumbs, 
It, it tells you a story. There's always a story to follow. Yeah. But then there's so much outside the story. And then in your, your typical um, uh, games, like like role-playing games, are usually really popular like with this. And then there's your, your sandbox action games like Grand Theft Auto. But they have a set story, but then you can go off and do whatever you want. If you don't want to go play Grand Theft Auto, like, you have to go to each mission and do your bank heists and, like, you know, steal your cocaine... You can just go to um, do little side missions where, you know, you, you, you rob. I mean, you could just drive up and rob convenience stores. Yeah. So it basically gives you kind of like this freedom to kind of play however you want. Well, I, th- I think the reason I wanted to bring this up as a discussion point because of Fallout and then also um, it just – there's you, you wrote down a, different, a number of different games. There's a lot of that, games because like, one of my friends, I was talking to him and I was like, you know, we're thinking about doing kind of like an open world gaming cast talk and – He's like, oh, well, there's, is there any other ones besides like Fallout and like Elder Scrolls or Grand Theft Auto? I was like, oh, there's a lot. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it, it, it's about, it, it's the illusion of choice. I mean, when it comes down to it. Yeah. And by illusion, I mean that ultimately um, there are, there are extremists out there. Like I know, and maybe we talked about this on the show at one point, but I know I talked to Joe about it, that there was someone that went all the way through Fallout 4 without killing anybody. And it basically, the game didn't know what to do because there's certain points in the game where you're confronted with these people and it's like, and they have to die to move the story forward. So how do you as a character have them get killed, but you not be the direct responsible party. And it's like, it's very, and the game just didn't know it would not function correctly because you weren't passing those checkpoints correctly. Yeah. So like it's, it's, it's freedom of choice to a point, but it, the illusion is so much there. Like, um, like I know Joe's probably playing fallout a lot different than I'm playing fallout. Yeah. Like, um, everybody I know is, yeah. Like my version of fallout, I'm running around with the melee weapon first and rushing up and trying to hit something. And if I don't do well, I have a shotgun, probably not the most, you know, probably not the best way to live in the wasteland, but that's my approach. So right, far. And I, I start out sneaky. I have a silenced, uh, pistol and then, when that doesn't work out for me, then the laser gun comes out. Yeah, see, like, so. uh, just, uh, there was definitely a point where I was running around with, like, no pants and a machete and just, like, just having some frontier justice. Mm-hmm. Was what was going on a there? A lot of frontier justice. But it's, it's, it's just, like, also, like, um, you could have these interactions and discussions where it's almost. <laughs> It's not the same thing as like watching a TV show that you both like, where you're like, oh, and then this happened. It's like, oh, yeah, I know. It's more like you talk about a situation, and if you have encountered that story point or that mission, it's like you have you know exactly what I'm talking about, but your way of handling it would be way different than my own. And that therein creates like that enjoyment of like, you did that? I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. And um and like I love games that are like I, I hate the term on rails because I don't know if that is really a true there I mean I guess it's the way you can describe some things but it's like I love the God of War series but that's a very linear experience it is very linear and they give you the illusion of choice because you get to upgrade but that's not really you know that's your own choice of how you want your powers but well, well like one game that's similar to that but not on rails is like the Assassin's Creed franchise. Like you yes. can like the, well, it tries to do kind of do both. It, like, it, yeah. it does kind of try to do both, but like with Assassin's Creed, like I played the light the not I don't want to say the latest one because they they drop one out every year it seems like, but I played Black Flag. Three's come out like three different ones have come out since we've been casting tonight. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I played Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, which was the fourth one, and it was centered around pirates. So like I got through um, the main intro of it, like your character and how he becomes somewhat of an assassin. Cause he doesn't really join the assassin brotherhood right away. Okay. But, um, you could run around the city and you can go talk to different people. Some people may ask you to go do something, but then you also have your own pirate ship. So I could totally ignore, like if I have to go 
and pick up some type of cargo for somebody in the city and deliver it to progress the story of the game. I don't have to do that. If I want to, I could run and go get on my pirate ship, and I could go sail the sea and literally go diving. I could go to other small uh, islands, and I could just look for treasure, and I can upgrade my ship so it's faster, the cannons are better. And the whole time, I haven't even touched the story and moved that, progressed that forward. So that's kind of like what a lot of people love about open world gaming is like back in the day or like to use God of, God of War as an example where you're running through and you're just like, I go to the next point, I go to the next point, I fight a boss, I go to the next point, I, I fight a boss. It's, it's like if you could stop and then just go do whatever you want and come back to it, it, it gives you more, more depth and it also gives you more entertainment value. Well, that, well, I mean, I think that they're different. I think they serve, they scratch different itches. Yeah. Um, the problem though, with like God of War is like, let's say that you're having a real hard time with the section. You can't be like, you know what? Maybe I don't have enough stamina for this. I should go do some other stuff and build up my stats and I'll be back. Right. It's more like I have to get past this or I'm not going to progress in the game, which that can be very frustrating at times. Like I know, like as much as I've enjoyed the Gears of War series, there's times where I'm like, can we just skip this part? Like I get really frustrated with that where Gears of War is definitely on rails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then like, like fallout, like I'm like, oh, this guy's killing me 67 times. I'm going to leave him alone for right now. I'll be back later. Right. And hopefully I'll, I'll be bigger and badder, and then we could talk it out then with, with guns or me with no pants and machete. That's really, <laughs> like, that's, you know, that's my hope. Like, in life. <laughs> um, it's, it's always funny when you come back, like, to stuff like that, because I've done that, like, a lot in Grand Theft Auto, where I just, like, I always have, like, a pistol and something else, but then, like... I can go get a assault rifle from like my apartment or something, and then it's like I'm gonna go take care of business now. Yeah, like the the whole bit when I ended up in uh, Covenant, I was telling you about the Fallout, where like the people were being hostile towards towards me. I'm like, come, I'll be right back with my power armor and my Gatling gun. Now we're gonna talk. Oh, you're not talking anymore because you're all dead. I'm gonna go park my power armor and I'll I'll be back now and clean up the mess. Like it was very much like my decision, and that was not the game's decision. And I liked I liked that. Um, and I it just I feel like I feel like um, there's also a difference between open world gaming and like RPGs, because even though RPGs give you that little bit of like you can go out and grind to get experience, yeah. they definitely make sure that you stay at certain points on the map for them. Like early RPGs, right? Like I I don't know I'm thinking like the first Final Fantasy where it's like yeah you could you could take a ship to wherever, but you only had like three towns to go to until you could advance that point. So there was still that illusion of choice, but it wasn't as big in scope, right? Because there's a lot of games where there there is a there is a a path laid out for you to go to different areas. But then like a lot the thing with open world games is you can go wherever you want. Like elder scrolls is made by Bethesda, which also makes fallout. Mm-hmm. So elder or Beth- Bethesda basically has the elder Scrolls series, like Morrowind, Skyrim, um, Oblivion. Oblivion. Those games are all set in the same world, but it's a fantasy world, but it plays the same exact way that fallout does in a sense where, you make your guy and you can go explore all this stuff. It's just Fallout's more sci-fi. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, like Bethesda got um, uh, Fallout from oh, whatever the name of the company was originally. They got the rights. And it was originally like a, like a top-down uh, strategy game. Yeah, like, it was kind of like Diablo-ish, kinda, like where but, you clicked where you wanted to go. And it was all about positioning and standing. Well, now like they've taken like the, the skeleton of these Elder Scroll games and grafted it on top of Fallout and made it like, hey, this worked engine-wise. Now we're going to make it sci-fi yeah. or post-apocalyptic. And it works. It really does work. Um, I, I I just think it's more enjoyable because I feel like it's almost like 
open world games are kind of like that campfire story that you can sit around and be like, there was this one time I was doing this and this is what happened as opposed to, Hey guys, I was playing Mario and I definitely got past level four. Right. Like that, that's like, you know, I'm, I guess I'm marginalizing these, like these games that are very straightforward, but well, it's you funny. can't have the same kind of conversations. You mentioned Mario, but like Mario in that family of Nintendo, like Nintendo revolutionized open world gaming in a sense with Zelda and Metroid. Because those yeah. were kind of the first games that let you go backwards left. Well, even like Castlevania. Well, yeah, Castlevania was an open world. Well, I mean, later... Symphony, Symphony of the Night was. Okay. But, like, um, when you look at, like, like Mario, and you look at, like, Castlevania, and um, I'm trying to think, even Mega Man. Like, you, yeah. you just, you go it, forward. You it, go, gave you, it gave you the choice of, of level select, but not really. Right. Know. But yeah. in the game, you go to the right side of the screen all the time. You never <laughs> yeah. go back. No. This, like, and with Metroid, it's like you could go back, you could go, you could go up and down, like, you would go down to one area, and, like, you would have to get, like, whatever the, the, the wave gun was. Yeah. Once you had the wave gun, you had to go back up, <laughs> back to the beginning where you were, and then you had to break a wall. And you could basically just run around whatever, I can't remember the name of the planet was. I want to say LV something, but I know that's, no, that's aliens. <laughs> I know that's yes, I know that's, that's aliens. what it is. But no, Nintendo Nintendo started that whole open world thing, and like I put one of the games on here, River City Ransom, which we both love. Yes, which is basically a beat 'em up game, but it's open world. Like River you, City Ransom is you're there with your girlfriend. The high school boy comes up and takes your girlfriend. So you and your best friend, which I don't know why he's there too, but because he's, he's your like, best friend, yeah, he's like, let's just go beat up these guys. So you go right. through all the different gangs, and they all have different themes because you're not a cool gang unless you have a theme. And, and you just go through the small town and you beat up people, you eat food, and you read books, and you beat up more people. And when you beat them up, they go barf. Yeah, they just say barf. But but like River City Ransom was like a great game, and that's one of the re- reasons I fell in love with that game when I was a kid because it was kind of the first revolutionary open world game. I remember going in and like me and my buddy were playing it together and it was like we would go into a park that was off the beaten path and like there would be like a bunch of guys there we could just beat up and or we found a yeah. shop and it was completely separate like if we would just kept going down the road you towards never found it. the high school we yeah. never would have found it and it's kind of that exploratory thing and i think like the exploratory thing is a huge part um, of it because you have games that are open world like simpsons road rage and, and south park uh the stick of truth and those open world games let you explore stuff you kind of already know. Because, like, I, yeah. I I remember when Stick of Truth came out, that was the first time they said that they actually... Laid out the geography of South Park. Yeah, they laid out yeah. the actual geography of South Park, the city, in the cartoon. And you could actually go around, like... I, I laugh because like Kenny's house was across the tracks, like it was completely like literally away from everybody else, away yeah. from everybody else, and it was just like it was cool because like if I wanted to, I could go up to, you know, Tom's rhinoplasty and get turned into David Hasselhoff, and you know I could go look for all the Pokemon because they were hidden everywhere. <laughs> I spent the first few hours of that game just going into every house I could. I did too, and like, I was like, I'm gonna go yeah. find out what's going on here, and that was like, and that's not usually my first indication with those kind of games, but I'm like, that's I, what I did. I went to every house, opened every drawer, grabbed every inappropriate object, and you know sold it and that's that's what happens with a lot of those games i mean you have like you know like witcher uh the uh, assassin's creed obviously um infamous well okay so you mentioned like doing what you want and i just uh, so a friend of mine loved skyrim and he'd mm-hmm. play with his, his his kids and they actually learned that if um you put a bucket on the people's head 
they can't see you, so that you can steal everything in the house. Where at South? Or oh no, in, Sky, in, uh, in Skyrim. So he, like, so this guy, one of my friends, was teaching his kids. It's like, yeah, it's okay. You just put a bucket on their head. You can just take whatever you want. <laughs> and it's like, and that's just really funny that Bethesda is like, well, that's one way around it, and they yeah. never bother. Like they didn't say it was broken. They just said that's the mechanics. Yeah, but that's hilarious that you could just be like, here, put this bucket on your head. <laughs> And then you're, oh, what's all that noise? It's nothing. nothing. I'm just nothing. taking everything. Nothing. Okay, I'm going to go now. Where'd all my stuff go? I don't know. Like, I didn't I take don't know. anything. It definitely Did you see anything? You definitely didn't have a bucket you on your head the entire time. Your head. That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> um, I think, I, and I wanted, like, like even superhero games, like uh, Batman, Arkham, the Arkham series, like Arkham City, Arkham Knight. Yeah. Um, that's a huge open world game. You get to run around uh, Gotham, and you get to run around Arkham and explore it. Yeah. And, like, that's another one where you could go through the linear storyline, but then, like, like, I beat it, and after I beat it, I could still go through and just go do whatever I wanted. Yeah. Like, there were tons of Riddler clues I could go solve and things like that. And it kind of gives you that, like, I know some people that are completionists, and they'll play those games, like, where they're like, once I beat the story, that doesn't mean I'm done with the game. So Yeah. So, I, we talked about, like, Metroid, but I, so Nintendo Nintendo's responsible for a lot of what we take for granted now in terms of what a gaming experience is. Uh, Nintendo was the first company to really attach a story to a game. Like Donkey Kong was three levels of told story, and that changed the way you approached like arcade games, where it's like it's about the score, but you really wanted to see that ape fall, you know. Yeah. And then Zelda was very different for the time because I mean, you think about it, really, the first game that was kind of like that was adventure for Atari, but that was so limited by its technology that you had to have an imagination to make that work, um, like a big time imagination. Well, um, I think and, Zelda yeah. was one of the first games that Nintendo put out that had a, a battery in it so it could save games. Yes. Because every other game was reliant on a password. If you yeah. wanted to continue your progress, you had to put a password in. Yeah, Metroid had one. That was just, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But Zelda would, Zelda actually saved your game progress and it had like some type of a battery in it. Yeah. And, and that, I remember well, that it was yeah. a big deal. Well, because then also too, like, like what happens when you first turn the game on, mm-hmm. You're just this dude standing in the middle of the screen, and there's like a cave to the, the above you or to the north of you. You go in, and this old guy's like, "Here, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this." And he gives you a sword, and it's like, "Good luck figuring out where you got to go." Right? Because it didn't give you any direction, uh-uh. and that's very different for that. And you time. had you had to go explore. Yeah. And then like when you finish the one dungeon, it's like, "Where do I go now?" It's like, "Well, I guess I go look for another dungeon." Yeah. That and there's ways that you could have probably tripped into things by accident that you had no business doing at the time, but you wouldn't know. And that happens. That's yeah. exact. It's the exact same thing that you said like fallout like just like zelda you would go running around uh hyrule and then you go down a bridge and then you, you come across and it's like oh, these things are kicking the crap out of me and i throw my boomerang at them nothing happens yeah. i better go find a way that these things can get hurt it's no different than you going to get your power armor and your minigun and just laying down some frontier justice well, yeah. well it's like whenever uh, we were playing i was playing the beta destiny with uh, a couple friends and we're running around and it's like oh these guys are like level 20 something maybe we shouldn't be here then, then my one friend's like well let's just try running really fast through here see where we end up it was, it was the kind of stuff that you would do where they're it was just there like, not to let you know to go forward <laughs> yeah. yeah destiny's a little different though mmos are not i wouldn't put mmos in no, this no, no, category I'm not, as an I'm open talking world in terms of like there's there's right. th- there's so let's talk about the elements of what make open world games you said exploration uh incremental power increases and weapons right. and abilities right because you have to have that mm-hmm. you have to have a sense of character progression because the good games, and I'll argue good games, because I loved Oblivion, but it drove me nuts that the enemy stayed the same level that you were. So as you leveled up, they'd stay the same level. So it's like you never felt like you're getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. So the same enemy that you hated at level one, you still hated later. While in like Fallout, it's like you can get powered up and be like, I, 
you can start just kicking trash, you know, once you get to a certain point and you feel good about that. Cause you're like, I'm done with these guys. I can move on to the next thing. Right. So you have to have that. You have to, you have to have the choice of how you approach to play the game, meaning whether it be like play style, skill points, like tech, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Like, like, cause you gotta be like, if, if I can't make the character my own, then that's, that's half of the appeal. That's well, half some, the appeal for me. Well, some of the games like, like, like Batman, like Batman, is Batman. Yeah. You do you do have to spend points and time to get Batman his skills. But like Spider-Man 2 back in 2002 when the Spider-Man 2 movie came out and they put the Spider-Man 2 game out, that was probably one of the one of the best That was one of the best licensed games licensed game video like superhero games because I remember I played that game for like hours just web swinging through <laughs> New York because the mechanics of actually web swinging plus like you could just swing swing and then oh look there's Central Park. So yeah. it had that New York feel. And it was open world, and then like you would just be zipping along, and I'm like, wow, he can really fly through the city, and you get a bigger scope of how web slinging worked. And then well, there'd also be crimes happening that you'd randomly yeah, come across. Yeah, you would hear and, like yeah. a crime go off, like some lady would be getting mugged, and you could go save them. You get experience, you get like I don't know, spider money, whatever. Spider money, you know, you know some, to, some webbies. You just buy some webbies. You could buy more spiders if you if you want like a like a like a Mexican tarantula or something, <laughs> but um. Yeah, it's just it, 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 there's a lot of games out there like that. So, so like you talk about like you know like uh, incremental power increases, like all like I said, and then also player choice. But then also, I feel like um, they give you it wouldn't be open world without like dialogue options. Like they give you morality. Like the the good games give you a sense of morality. Like yeah. like uh, ownership of your actions. Like like you mentioned Infamous, it tried really hard to be like good guy bad guy. I just I cared so little for the story that I didn't really necessarily care my decisions. I just liked that a good guy got certain powers and a bad guy got certain powers. That's the only reason. Like Fable, Fable is not really open world, but it tries to pretend to be. Mm, yeah, um, but it's also but it, that's much more. It's like you're going to be a good guy. Or we're going to give you a halo. You're going to be a bad guy. You're going to get horns, and it's like very much like you know you see direct consequence for your actions. While in Fallout, if you are a jerk, you start shutting down storylines. If you to turn people away, you know you won't know. Right, and I think that's a big deal with some of that open world stuff. It's like you have to, the good ones you suffer your consequences, bad or good. Right, like it makes you like right now. Like I told you, um, I just got to a point in Fallout where I'm just like I have to make a moral decision in the game, and I don't want to make it because I just, I just kind of want to like, I don't know. Play, I'm, I'm, I play my guy, the good guy, mm-hmm. but like there's four factions in the game, and honestly, none of them are bad. But you have to kind of pick one. So when you say you play a good guy, so do you like with these open world games? Do you normally play a good guy or? Yeah, I usually always play a good guy. What about like a, this is not open world. This is RPG, but like uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I played a good guy. Really? I I went back in and I tried to play a Sith and I, I just never got through it. I don't think I know you anymore. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Dude, yeah, I was like in Knights of the Old Republic. I was like, I turned Revan over to the light side. I even got Bastila to not join Malak. <laughs> Like I did all all the good guy stuff. So we need to get an honest goodness open world single player Star Wars game. We need that. We need. I think we need that. I think that'd be fun. Well, I mean, we said MMOs don't really count, but the the Old Republic w- that Bioware put out was actually really good. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that. Quite well, a bit. I mean, MMOs I think are a little different because I mean they're. I mean, the, they're, they're on have, another level. You have a you do have choice. You do have options there, but I feel like. I don't know. There's something about like your individual experience in an open world game, where I mean, it's, well, it's, the it, thing with the thing with the Old Republic is they took the 
the old republic the knights of the old republic framework of dialogue and storytelling okay. and they overlaid that like i i fell in love with the um the story for the characters because like you you go through like a lot of fun things that are your specific class storyline like i don't want to get into it now but like I had so much fun, like, turning a Jedi over to the dark side as part of, like, one of the, the quest series that you had to do for your main character thing to get your apprentice. And I was like, that that's totally evil and something the Sith would do. But, um, you know, that's, that's, that's just another thing. <laughs> but that, that's, that game had pretty big in-depth, like, you, you choose what you want to do. Gotcha. So, um, like, as, as you have played games your entire life, like, I know you wrote a list of open world games, but, like, and I know you're really enjoying Fall right now. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, though, like what's been like your like favorite, 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 like ones that you have enjoyed immensely? Um, probably the Rockstar ones. Like I don't, I don't like get immersed in Grand Theft Auto, but when I play it, I feel like I'm in another world. Okay. Like like Grand Theft Auto Five, I played quite a bit, um, and it was just like I played it online. And the amount of stuff you could do in that. I remember I was hanging out with a couple of my buddies that I play on Xbox Live with. And we were literally just in my buddy's penthouse, like, doing emotes and, like, drinking fake beer. And, like, and then my my one buddy was like, hey, I can call strippers. I'm like, really? You can call strippers? (laughs) And he called strippers. And they came in the apartment. And I'm just, we're just walking around. And my one buddy's, like, getting drunk, like, fake drunk. And he's dropping bottles in the thing. And we literally spent two hours just chilling out in my buddy's apartment in Grand Theft Auto. Like, a fake apartment. And it was just like to have that in depth, you know, and it's like we're conversating while we're in there. It's not like we're just pressing buttons and being <laughs> quiet. So it's just like hanging out in a chat room yeah. online kind of, but you've got all this funny stuff going on and then you see somebody doing something and you'd be like, Hey, how'd you do that? You That's know, funny. so then we all start doing it. But um you know, obviously that but Red Dead Redemption was probably one of the best open world uh games. Because basically Red Red Dead Redemption is basically Grand Theft Equestrian. Yeah. Um so that's a Western version of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, you play a bounty I, hunter. That's that's on my and, my list this year. But I'm getting to it. And I was I remember it was like when I first started dating my girlfriend, it came out, and I remember she came over to my house the one day, and I'm sitting there playing it. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm picking flowers." She's like, "Why are you picking flowers in the desert? That's stupid." And I'm like, "Well, no, because I need them to make this so that like I don't die all the time, and I need to because I think they had like some type of like thing you can make herbalism." Yeah. But I was literally riding around on my horse real slow looking for hot flowers out in the in the um Mexico desert. And it was just like <laughs> the, the, yeah, like um so as much as I've just said negative things about Oblivion, when that game came out, I remember I was like I have 2 weeks off from my job, blah blah blah. blah. That disappeared in the haze cuz all I did was play Oblivion and there was that one the one flower in there called a Nern root that you could hear as you walked near it. Mhm. And it suddenly became like our mission to find all of them. And it was like, so you just be, oh, the, the whole world's turning into fire. Oh, I hear a plant. And you have to run over and try to find it. Yeah. Like, but Oblivion sucked me in. Like, it was so, I don't know, something at the time, it was really, really good. And I tried going back to play it again, and it just didn't hold up. But that one time through was just amazing. I'm kind of hoping that doesn't happen to Fallout with me. Like, I'm, I'm like trying to scoot. I'm like trying to scoot away from it a little bit, but I don't want to like stop playing it and then get back to it and just be like, ah, I kind of don't want to play this now. Yeah. Like one thing they did introduce in Fallout 4 that's sucking me in a little bit, and one of my buddies went hardcore on it, uh, is being able to craft your 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 settlements and things. I spent two hours, two two to three hours 
one day just building a bar on top of a building. And then <laughs> and then I spent another probably five hours when I was doing like missions out in the wasteland just looking for things to put in the bar. Like I had to find uh, uh, pool balls, pool cues. Um, I had to find <laughs> bottles of alcohol. And I took them all back with me, and I'm just like, I got my little pack like Santa Claus, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to put this on the shelf, and then I'm going to put the pool balls on the table, and I'm going to do this. And it's just like... Also, I could have like this ridiculous man cave where I keep my power. I built a whole thing for my power armor. I have like three sets of power armor. I built an armory where it's all on display, like Iron Man. It's ridiculous. I don't know. Like I, that part of it hasn't gotten into me. Like I, I'm more into like the weapon crafting because that's a benefit yeah. to me. Like I, and I love that you can name your weapons. Like my shotgun's called the Boomstick. I have the flamethrower called the Burninator. Like I, like these are all you, obvious names for weapons. But I keep like I told you I made the one handgun. I named it the Noisy Cricket. I think I told you that. Yeah. Like I just I, you, I wear it on my sleeve. Have I you gotten the railway gun? No. So the railway gun shoots railroad spikes. Like it's a oh, rail, no. it's a rail gun. I, I want that. Like um, a literal rail gun. Yeah, I think you. I think you have to get it from. Have, have you gotten any, done anything with the railroad yet? Not yet. Okay, but I think you have to get it from the railroad. <laughs> but I saw somebody named theirs. Guess what they named it? John Henry. No, death by choo choo. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, yeah. I um. I don't know. Everybody's I, probably like these guys are idiots. Like, no, the conversation no. was completely off. Like, no, I love it. Like, it just uh, it just that gives you some ownership, and it feels like, oh hey, like oh you didn't like this weapon? Wait till I bring out my boomstick. It's right. like it's just you. Know, it's something fun with that where it's like you feel like you actually have ownership over it. You built it. You put a bayonet on it. You, you this is your go to. Yep. You know, and that's what I. And you don't get that with a lot of other games. Like like Dead Space Three tried doing that with their weapon crafting. Um, it's just that after a while, I'm just like, I, can I just go kill more space guys? And and I feel like modern games now are trying to jam a lot of those things together, and they're having some success. So there isn't like a pure open world experience anymore. It's a, it's a hybrid sometimes. And real quick before we wrap up, um, like one thing that's also a big part of open world gaming that that is a lot of the decision makings are uh, like romance uh, storylines. Yeah, it, like if you look at like, like bio- I'm, I'm married to a rad scorpion in Fallout. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> no, it's completely okay. normal. <laughs> as long as like when you sleep with it, it you get your XP bonus. Yeah, I do. You know? Um, but no, the like Fallout or no, Fallout does that. Um, uh, I don't know if Oblivion did it or not. I think uh, you can they, get married in Oblivion. You can. You? Yeah. you can get married in Oblivion in Skyrim. I think you can too. For um, sure. I remember. Oh my god, I remember in uh, uh, Fable, you could get married in Fable, and when like, you would come. Come yeah. back home, your wife would give you items like presents. Like she'd be like, "Oh, I'm happy to see you. Here, here's a magical chainmail shirt." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." But in like Fable, you can get married multiple times. Like you could have like <laughs> you could you could franchise in different towns and be like, "I got you over here. I got you over here. I got you over here." I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. But and then um, I think BioWare started that a lot with like Knights of the Old Republic did it, mm-hmm. and then eventually it worked its way into bi- uh, uh, Bio or uh, not Bioshock. Mass uh, Effect. Mass Effect. Yeah, you can sleep with everybody in there. If you yeah, try, Mass Effect. You know? All the storyline or the the romance storylines are all interesting, and it was. And I thought it was. Did you? Oh, you haven't played all the way through. See, you're tripping up against. You're God. bumping up against. No, I'm, no, no. You know so, what? No, I'm yeah, spoil. I'm Obi no, in this. No, no, <laughs> do here. Wait here. Nope. No. 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 Nope. Yeah, you can't do it. No! Don't do it. No. So we're getting. I know. The, see, I was going to bring up Mass Effect. I don't really think it's. Well, open you world. play Mass Effect three, right? Part of it. I haven't Part finished of it. it. I haven't finished I'm not it yet. spoiling anything. Okay. So you played two, right? Yeah. Did you do the romance angle with Miranda? Um, no. You didn't. So here. Oh, so your yours is going to be different because when you because you know Ashley's in uh, Mass Effect three, right? 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, if you if you choose her to live in the first, yes. first game. Wow, we're really getting we're talking. Sorry. Lot, lot yeah. Anyway. Okay. But if you decided in the second game, mind you, everybody keep in mind that these games come out like what eight years apart. <laughs> no, it was a few years between each one. Yeah. Was it? Really? It, was, it was like I don't know, three or four years between each release. I think. Something yeah. Like that. So yeah. all three games yeah. are about a span of about eight years. Oh, that's true. Okay. So you play the first game. Three years go by. You play the second game. The second game, you could do different romance options, and then you come back to the third game, and the person that you either kept or romanced in the, the first game is there, and they yeah. they are pissed about what you did in the second so, game. So to be fair, I played the first game, romanced whoever it was. I uh, Blue alien chick. Anyway, um, uh, Leela, not Leela, what's her name? Liara. Liara, Leela, yeah. That's, <laughs> You're thinking I, I, wrong yeah, alien chick. Wrong alien chick. You're not Fry. I played the second <laughs> one. Had a different romance option there, but then I lost my my character profile, so I started yeah. over again. But knowing that, because I started three and I saw that Liara was like mad, I'm like, nah, I kind of want, I kind of want to keep that. So the second time I played through, I resisted all temptation from everybody. So then in three, she's like, it's just like it's really kind of this like quiet flirtiness that's going on. It's really kind of funny. Like this sounds really creepy, but that's my shepherd. Damn it. Yeah, the third one, like, because something happens to Ashley, and like you go visit her, and she's like, like giving you the super cold shoulder. <laughs> she's like, what, what about Miranda? And I was just like, well, you kind of broke up with me in the second <laughs> game, so I want to hear you bitching about it because you were like, you joined the bad guys. I was like, I didn't join the bad guys. They resurrected me. Yeah, like, you know. It's just, anyway, yeah, she was. It was, yeah, it was interesting because it caught me off guard. I was like, "Wait a minute!" Well, again, I, I wouldn't argue. I, I like I, said, I wasn't going to talk about that part because I didn't think Mass Effect is really open world. Like they all, talk about the illusion of choice. Mass Effect mm. Two gives you so much. There's a lot of choice in Mass Effect. Yeah, but that Mass Effect Two, you it makes you feel like you can do whatever you want, but no. every so often it says, "By the way, you have to do this." And it keeps pushing I, you forward story-wise. I lost people, and I didn't realize it. Yeah. Like, because at the end, when I lost them, I was like, I, and I didn't go back to fix it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with my decisions. And those get reflected in the third game, which I thought was cool. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Uh, anyway. It, yeah. Uh, the open-ended discussion about open-world games. Like, we <laughs> promised, and we delivered. Um, so, I present you guys some dialogue options now. One is on our Facebook page. See how I tied that all together? Yeah. That was amazing. Um, invasion of the Podcast. Uh, our, our Twitter, Invading Podcast. Our Gmail address, Invading Podcast at Gmail. Hit us up there. Talk to us about your favorite open world games. Uh, there, I'm sure there's ones we missed. I'm sure there's plenty that we missed. Um, but like the the more... And also give suggestions, because I, I was telling Joe, I feel like that yeah, inadvertently, and, this is the year of open world games for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I know we didn't talk about Minecraft, because I don't think either of us have played Minecraft. No. I mean that's literally an open world like, that you, yeah. you actually build. So, so we're we're well aware of that. We just are not versed enough in it. Yeah. And you guys can you guys can wag a finger at us for that, but I mean I'm sorry. We can't, <laughs> can't catch Minecraft. Yeah. So um all right, so we're gonna wrap it up here with a little bit of fun and we're gonna do this. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. There we go. That was some some Lemmy there. Yeah, I was like, I was like, we got to play the Triple H song. So we had to come up the game for just to yeah. play that. Did you hear that? There's like people trying to get different things named after him now. Like they're like someone wants to call a Roman Coca Lemmy, like because that was like his big drink. And then they've also recently published that there's some new heavier uh, metal elements that they're going to add to the periodic table. Someone wanted to call it Lemonade, like Limium or something. They wanted to name a heavy metal element after him. Oh, that'd be cool. That would be awesome, yeah. right? 
Um, so, but yeah, a Lemmy is a, supposed to be a Jack and Coke. It's supposed to be like, yo, that's, that's the drink. But anyway, so, um, we talked about the Oscars. Um, we're going to, we're going to mention, um, we'll see how this goes here. Uh, the Razzies also got announced. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to play it's some award show yeah. time again. The Razzies are actually the opposite of the Oscars. Yeah. And I don't mean opposite by like television. I mean, I'm like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, opposite by crappy movies. Yeah. So I'm going to just quiz Joe here, just on a couple. I wrote down some stuff. And it's a real award. It's not something we made up. Yeah. You don't know what a Razzie is? Look it up. They've been around since, what, the 80s? Yeah, the 80s, yeah. And they basically give out awards for crappy performances, crappy songs, uh, crappy movies, um, even if it's a duo. Like, what were some of the duos that you well, were telling that's, me? Well, I'm going to... Okay, I don't, don't want to okay. spoil yeah. it for everybody. Um, let's see here. Uh... Oh, Okay. I'll save those for a second here. So we got, um, we'll do uh, worst actor. This is from 1992. Okay. All right. So your options are Kevin Costner and the bodyguard, uh, <laughs> Michael Douglas and basic instinct, special Stallone and stop or my mom will shoot Jack Nicholson and Hoffa and Tom Selleck and folks. Um, Some of those you may not remember. Uh, I, no, I remember them. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, um, what was the third one? Um, what, so Michael Douglas, Basic Instinct? Was that no? No, no, no. It was the one after that. Uh, uh, Special Stallone, Stop S- My Mom. Stallone. I'm going to go with Stallone. You're right. That yeah. he, he did win uh, the worst actor, Razzie, for 1982, for him and Estelle Getty, and Stop My Mom Will Shoot. Um, 2013. This. Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> the 2013, we're going to do uh, Worst Actress. Um, it is going to be. Uh, oh, did I actually write this down the right way? Oh, I did. Okay. You got Holly Perry. Ho- Holly Berry. For the call, Selena Gomez for Getaway, uh, Lindsay Lohan for uh, um, the Canyons, uh, Naomi Watts for Diana, and Tyler Perry for a Medea Christmas. I'm gonna say Lohan. It was Tyler Perry was nominated for Worst Actress <laughs> for Medea Christmas. Um, That's funny. Yeah, <laughs> Tyler Perry was the best actress category. Yeah. Um, oh, all man. right. Let's see what we got here. I'll save. Uh, yeah, I'll save that for a second here. Kind of flipping back and forth. Um, we have worst combo. So uh, this is worst like couple or whatever. So yeah. we got uh, Jamie Kennedy and anybody stuck sharing the screen with him and Son of Mask. Uh, Rob Schneider <laughs> and his diapers and Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. Jesus. Uh, Jenny McCarthy and anyone dumb enough to befriend or date her in Dirty Love. Uh, Jessica Simpson and her Daisy Dukes and Dukes of Hazard. And Will Ferrell, Nicole Kidman, and Bewitched. That Bewitched was terrible. <laughs> so bad. Um, I'm going to go with Rob Schneider in the diapers. It was Jamie Kennedy and anybody st- <laughs> stupid enough to share screen time with him in Son of Mask. Um, all right. Let's move on here. Oh. Ah, uh, whatever. Just, I don't know. Dramatic What's going on pause. with the band? Uh, something happened. Um, all right. Okay, we'll do some we'll do some worst movies, right? So ninety nine, worst movies, uh, worst movie: Big Daddy, Blair Witch Project, Wild Wild West, Haunting, or Star Wars Episode One. Um, I'm gonna go with the Haunting. It is Wild Wild West. That was the pretty, large mechanical spider and, 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 and Will Smith. Uh, Two thousand four. We got uh, Alexander Super Babies Baby Geniuses Part Two. Uh, surviving Christmas, Catwoman, and White Chicks. Catwoman? Catwoman. 
All right. I think they like to pick on Holly Berry, actually. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, 2008, we have Disaster Movie, The Happening, uh, Love Guru, Hottie and the Naughty. That had Paris Hilton. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember that stupid cover art? We had to put that that movie away. Anyway, mm-hmm. some people rented that. I don't know why. Um, and then in the name of the king, a dungeon siege, dungeon siege tale. That was the Uwe Ball movie with. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that was supposed yeah. to be, uh, uh, dungeon siege uh, the game. Yeah, he, like he adapted to it. Um, I'm gonna say uh, fame. I'm oh, I'm gonna say the happening. Uh, Love Guru. Really? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen the happening twice. I've seen Love Guru once. Love no Guru. Love Guru is uh, that's Mike Myers, right? Yes. That's probably what did him in. It wasn't good. And then it also has a young Daniel Tosh in it. If you ever see that clip, he's one. Of, he's a he's a punk in one of the bars yelling at him or something. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, all right. 2014. So uh, last year's awards, right? Left Behind. That's the Nicolas Cage. Um, you know. Yeah. Uh, Legend of Hercules. That wasn't too bad. Uh, uh, no, no, that's not the that's not the rock one. That's the other one that came out. Yeah, right? there was another one. Yeah, there's another one. Um, oh, was it the one um, that was uh, with? Was it a Helmsworth? Was in that? No, no, it wasn't Helmsworth. But it was not the one with the rock. That one's um, uh, Hercules something begins or something, right? Uh, anyway, anyway, um, the Dark Hercules Rises. Yeah, yeah. Saving Christmas. That's a Kirk Cameron movie. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And Transformers: Age of Extinction. Oh, Transformers! It was Saving Christmas with Kirk Cameron. Really? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's see here. Got some Star Wars going on there. All right. Um, which of these was a special made category? So they sometimes just give special recognition, right? Um, worst written film grossing over one hundred million dollars. Worst excuse for an actual movie. And then put in parentheses, all concept, no content. Worst eye-gouging misuse of 3D. And worst excuse for family entertainment. I'm going to say uh, worst excuse for... Uh, um, not 3D. What was it? Uh, worst excuse for an actual movie? No. Uh... What was the one before that? So, worst written film grossing over $100 million. Mm-hmm. And then worst eye-gouging misuse of 3D. Worst excuse for family entertainment. Oh, those three? And worst excuse for an actual movie. I'm going to say actual movie. Okay. You were right. All four of those are actual categories they made for the thing. So, <laughs> so worst written film grossing over $100 million with the Twister. Which that movie wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Like yeah. I loved it in the theater, but it wasn't good otherwise. Because that sound, the sound system, I think, is what made it for me. Right. Uh, worst excuse for an actual film: all concept and no content. Uh, the Cat in the Hat with Mr. Mike Myers. That was the one. That was the category I was going to say because yeah. there are a lot of movies that have like concept but no content. Yeah. Um, worst eye gouging misuse of 3D was the Last Airbender. <laughs> and uh, worst excuse for family entertainment: RV. That was that Robin Williams comedy. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, so two more real quick here. Uh, 2000s, worst actor of the decade, uh, Ben Affleck, Eddie Murphy, Mike Myers, Rob Schneider, or John Travolta? Affleck? Eddie Murphy. Oh, poor Eddie Murphy. Yeah, so, okay. Worst actor of the century. This was, you know. Whoa. Yeah, so for the 20th century, worst actor of the century. Whoa. Kevin Costner, uh, Prince, and we don't need music for the rest of this. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, 
Um, William Shatner or Pauly Shore? Pauly Shore. It was Sylvester Stallone. They nominated him the worst actor of the 20th century. Wow. I know how the mighty have fallen, and suddenly they get nominated again for That's Oscars. brutal. Yeah. So anyway, I thought that was fun. So there's a whole Wikipedia page, guys, that have all the different nominees and categories for the, Raz- um, the Golden Raspberries or Razzies. I know this year, like Johnny Depp got for best combo or best on-screen couple or worst on-screen couple, I should say, is Johnny Depp and his mustache for Mordecai is one of them. <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, like um, I was going to put the one in there about Jack and Jill with Adam Sandler because he got nominated for worst female actress as well. I think he won that and best God, he should. and worst actor. I think that was the whole thing that he like. I think he's been nominated more than any other person. Yeah, and like Pixels is nominated for worst picture. Like I asked Joe before the show. Um, if we should watch the Oscar-nominated films and talk about them, <laughs> or watch everything nominated like for be- for worst picture for the Golden Raspberries, and he said no. And immediately said like, no. Yeah, there was not even a pause. Like he's like, hey, I, th- I got an idea. Let's let's say like we're gonna do like a Wheel of Death thing where we watch the the nominated best or worst movies for the Raspberries, and I was like, no. Yeah, because no, at the moment no. I was like, well, you have to watch Fifty Shades of Grey, and you're like, nope, that's nope. not happening. That's so, not happening. So Joe threatened to leave the show yeah. if uh, if that happened. So anyway, uh, that was some fun. The raspberries is a good time. That's uh, And there's also a list, too, of like actors and actresses that have shown up and accepted their awards. Uh, a little awkward now, uh, Bill Cosby made it a point to get his for Leonard Part 6. Like, so even he knew, like you knew that for the promotional campaign for that, he was basically like, don't see this movie. Like he knew it was bad, you know, but yeah, anyway, so, um, that, this was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Anyway, everybody have a, have a, have a good week. Um, I am consciously trying to think of a good way to close the show each week with like a phrase, like, you know, like watch the skies for the invasion or, or something like that. Nothing. Joe's got nothing like, you know. Because the beginning part, taking over the world one listener at a time is fine, but it's like, you know. We're going to get you. We're, <laughs> we're going to get you. No? I like it. That's so, a little creepy. No, it's like, hey, guys, till next week, we're going to get you. Just keep in mind, remember this, we didn't get you this week. <laughs> we'll get you we next week. We're going to get you next week. Bye.